In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, on God, Amen. Now we have our question and answer session. Why does the church say females cannot take communion on their period? I have heard people say it is because we were not pure. But the whole point of a period is to clean the body. Uh, definitely, this answer about not pure is wrong. Because once you are baptized and chrismated by the holy oil and you became a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, no one can say you are not pure even during the time of the period. But out of reverence to this mystery, the church made some regulation uh, before taking communion. For example, you need to be fasting. You cannot eat breakfast in the morning or you cannot uh, drink coffee and then you go and take communion. Is eating breakfast or drinking coffee in the morning is sinful? Is it unclean? Does it defile you? No. But out of reverence to this mystery, I need actually to be in a certain uh, way of uh, preparation. In the same way, it's not only for girls, even for boys. Boys, they may have what we call it with dreams. While they are sleeping, their body actually can emit some excretions. And if the boy has with dream, following he cannot take communion. So it's not only for girls. So, as His Holiness Pope Shenouda used to say, we consider the person, whether a boy or a girl, like the non-fasting person. So, you, you, you skip this week. And if you think about it, you know, this actually happened only four days or five days during the month. And maybe this, in these four days, it's not weekend. So, you can take communion as long as you don't have uh, this uh, the period. And also, it is a time to say, I'm not worthy of the time to take communion. It's time actually to, to convict yourself and to rebuke yourself and to say how great this mystery is. And today I cannot take communion. So it is time for self-reflection, both boys and girls, to benefit from this time spiritually. But don't let anybody tell you you are not pure. That's completely wrong. Once you are baptized, you are pure in the Lord Jesus Christ. Please, I don't understand if this statement or the question, but let me read it as is. I cannot. We just did, but not being official. But we are also watching ourselves and being careful. I think she's asking 
why we cannot date and I understand not being official we can watch ourselves and being careful maybe that's what she meant but because again the, yani the way it's written it's not clear I remember maybe 10 or 15 years ago uh, in high, high school convention high school convention I invited his eminence metropolitan Serbian from Diocese of Los Angeles he was actually the guest speaker and questions about dating uh, as usually came during the, the question answer session so Sayyidna answered and told them I don't think you are asking the question because you don't know the answer but you are asking the same question over and over because you are hoping for a different answer so I'm sure you know the answer Bishop Musa used to say it's okay to date when you are mature spiritually, intellectually, uh, physically, spiritually, financially, academically, everything so when you are mature then actually when you are mature you can date let me يعني, dating at younger age is very very dangerous I, I'm serious because no matter how much you want to be watchful and careful at the end you will be emotionally attached to the other person and once you are emotionally attached to the other person actually very very rare dating start in high school ends in marriage very rare and go look at statistics so every time actually you break up your, your heart is broken with, with every time and why you do this to yourself besides uh, the temptation in dating uh, is very يعني very bad I hope in end to when you are ready for marriage that is the time for dating when you are ready for marriage like great high schoolers you should actually be focusing on your schools and your studies in your school and you can everybody will be your friend she's saying why you don't put person uh, in prison for the whole life and that is accepting everybody who repents yes. but number one do we need this authority of scripture? do we need any authority of scripture? I'm asking you do we believe in the authority of the Bible? so when the Bible says something we need to submit to it and do we believe that God's ways and God's mind and God's economy is much, much, much wiser than ours. Okay. Uh, and God actually is the founder of the law, not us, right? So, in the Bible actually, it's clearly God said in Old Testament and in New Testament. In New Old Testament, in Genesis chapter 9, He said, a man who kills a man by hand of a man should be dead. You know, that's in the Testament. In the in Romans chapter 13, he said about the authority, the, the, like the ruler or the king or the president of the judge, he does not carry the sword in vain. 
but to avenge evildoers. You know, he cannot carry, he does not carry the sword in him. Which another, yani, proof from the New Testament that capital punishment, according to the scripture, is not wrong. But you may say what? What? Actually, the possibility for a person to repent and to go to heaven in capital punishment more than actually lifetime prison. Because lifetime prison can be very bitter, angry, uh, frustrated, etc. But capital punishment, if a person knows that he's going to die after one week, two weeks, whatever, definitely will repent. Even if you feel it's unfair for him, definitely will repent and he will be ready for this moment. So the respect for this person to go to heaven is higher than a person who spent all his life uh, in prison. Besides, uh, in Nazareth time, people feel that so there is a capital punishment. This actually can lead other criminals to, yeah, to not to continue on their crimes because uh, they fear the penalty of death. So both will benefit. The person himself will be executed. It is opportunity for him to repent and to go to heaven after what he did, like the thief on the cross. And also it's opportunity for other criminals to be fearful of this punishment, so this restrains them from evil. But it is in the scripture. Okay. The soul of the animal is not eternal. It's not like our soul. Our soul is eternal because it's a breath from God. But the animal soul is not eternal. So just then.
You have to respect me as you demand me to respect you. God's will is our blood. That's a good question. Already revealed well with a personal work. Revealed well means God revealed His will to all, all of us. For example, you read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, This is the will of God, your sanctification. God wants us to be holy. God wants us to worship Him. God wants us to love one another. God wants us to forgive one another. If you are faithful in the revealed one, then actually God will trust you with your personal life, with your individual. He's well for you as an individual. But if I'm not faithful in this public or revealed way, why God actually would reveal His will for me as a person? Right? That's number one. Number two, remember these four things in order to know the will of God for yourself. Number one, pray. Ask God to reveal His will for you. And God told us, ask and you shall uh, receive. Number two, acquire the mind of Christ. As St. Paul said, as for us, we have the mind of Christ. When, yeah, I if I ask you, what do you think your parent wants you to do? You will think, because you know your parent very well. When you acquire the mind of Christ, I will know, I will know what God wants from me as a person. And acquiring the mind of Christ, you can have it by reading the scripture, letting the word of God work richly in you. Number three, get advice, get counseling from Godly people or people not in this area. For example, career. If, if you want to know what's the word of God for me, to be a physician or to be an engineer or to be a lawyer or to be an accountant or pharmacist or, or whatever. You know, so ask people who can expert in this area and godly people and want your best interest, God actually can reveal His will through these people who we trust. Number four, think God gives the mind to use it. So think about what are the options that come to you. For example, you have three, four options. Look at what are the pros and cons of every option. And if you can write it down, you can make a table. Option number one, pros and cons on the option number two, pros and cons. And develop this table over maybe 10 days. When you have an idea added, when you have an idea added, until actually you are running out of all ideas. And when you look to this table after you are praying, and you acquire the mind of Christ and get advices from the people. When you look at this table, actually, you will be able very, very much to know this actually the way I should be. So I have a teacher who does not um, like Christian people, and he calls us like hypocrites and stuff like that. And I was asking him to know like what we should do. I will share with you a personal experience. You know, when I, I worked before I, uh, I joined the monastery, I had the head of the department in Egypt who was not Christian. And he publicly 
He used to say, I hate Christians. I don't like you. And in, in the department we worked with eight persons, six were non-Christian and two Christian. And we decided the other person and myself, and I just not to respond to all this statement, but to live uh, as witnesses for Christ. And that's what we did. We were actually very faithful in, in our job, in our responsibility, kind to the people, committed, etc. So, actually, ended up by saying, I hate Christian, but I don't know. Both of you made me love you, although I hate Christian. And he had a clinic and our physicians. When actually he used to take days off, the only two that he entrusted to work at his clinic, Ahmed again, the two Christian person. He trusted them. And when I returned my resignation to go to the monastery, so he called me and told me, why are you leaving your job and go to the desert? That's either you lost your mind or that is something supernatural, I don't understand it. And he was honest in, in his. I told him, no, for my sister, it's supernatural. You cannot understand it. Unless you, I mean, you have you know, the grace of God. We never get in conflict together, although he used to say, I hate Christian, I hate Christian. But I think by showing the light of Christ, and as the Lord told us, you are the light of the world and soul of the earth, this in itself can make him respect you and respect the Christians. So prove to him that Christians are charitable, prove to him that Christians are uh, not hypocrites, then Actually, you, you defeated this argument by your, by your work, not by your work. If I'm struggling with a sinful desire and I want to stop, what do I do? I will give you يعني, a short answer here, but there is a lecture about this question, a whole lecture. It's called How to Overcome Habitual unloved sins how to overcome habitual unloved sins there are sins that we love and there are some sins that became habits uh, and you can find this lecture on South Cloud so if you search uh, you write the title overcoming habitual unloved sin Bishop Yusuf you can actually listen to it on SoundCloud. but you cannot actually stop any sin without the grace of God. So number one, you need to pray and ask the grace of God to uh, help you. Number two, sinful desire, then you need to sanctify your desire. And how to sanctify your desire? Senses are the entrance to your desire. So if you allow something bad to enter through your senses, your desires will be bad will be sinful. If you allow only what's holy to enter through your senses, your desires will be holy. So you need actually to sanctify your desires by reading the scripture, reading spiritual book, listening to Christian music, listening to Christian songs. All this actually will sanctify your heart from within. 
Number three, you need to develop, you need to develop uh, self-control and the ability to say no. The ability to say no. Self-control, one of the best things is fasting. When you fast, and you fast seriously, then you can overcome, you will be able to say no to the desire of the flesh. Then, if you are tempted with any desire, you can say no. Number four, don't lose hope. If you fall, it's not the end of the world. By repentance, confession, and taking communion, your sins will be forgiven. So don't lose hope. Go back and start fighting again. So these are four things very important. Uh, pray as the grace of God. Sanctify your desires. Develop self-control. Have hope and live the life of repentance. How to deal with, with suicidal thoughts? Number one, seek professional help. I'm serious. If you are suicidal, then you need to seek professional help. You need to call 911 and uh, report it immediately. Number two, you need actually to see what are the thoughts. Why you have thoughts of suicide? Is it a symptom of depression? Is it a symptom of uh, being angry? Is it a symptom of uh, personality disorder? This actually what the counselor or a therapist will help you. But on the other side, you can be healthy, but you have suicidal thoughts out of uh, despair. And Satan can install despair into your heart. Any despair is from Satan. Even if, if your situation is hopeless, and if your situation is helpless, but remember, God is the hope of the hopeless, and He is the help of the helpless. So, if God, you cry to God, He actually will deliver you. Lazarus in the tomb, it was helpless and hopeless situation, but God raised Lazarus. So, if God was able to raise Lazarus after four days, then any situation you are in, God can deliver you from it. So, overcome suicidal thoughts with hope in God, who is the hope of the hopeless and the help of the helpless. How do we, do we find our talents? Many things, but the best way is to listen to the comments from others. For example, if somebody told you, you are a helper, you are a great help. If somebody tells you, um, you listen well to the people. If somebody tells you, uh, you, you are a good organizer, when you, you, you give you a task, you accomplish, you accomplish in the best way, or you are a leader. So listen to the feedback. You have a beautiful voice, can sing well. So, Listen to the feedback from others, and this way we'll be able to find your talent. What if a female, mostly a young female, get pregnant by rape, even if it is a small chance? 
there is a chance why would that female have to carry her rapist child and go through that pregnancy pain and then give her baby, baby away like it is nothing. Actually, I was asked this question last week from another group and I, I searched on the internet the percentage of uh, of pregnancy in legitimate rape. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by legitimate, in legitimate rape. And the answer was, the possibility of a girl to become pregnant after legitimate rape, it's exactly like to have a snow in Miami in the summer. That's the answer that I got here. Which means it's, it's almost zero. It's almost zero. But the key word here, the word legitimate. Because some you, girls, unfortunately, they put themselves in a situation that will end up with a sexual relationship. And for example, a girl goes with a boy to his house alone. And then they start drinking together. And both of them got drunk. And then they had sex together. When actually she woke up, she will say, but I did not give him my consent. What do you expect after all of this? It, yeah, and in, my, in my definition, this is not real. Yes, I know he did not take the consent of the girl. I, I understand this. But she put herself in this very bad situation. Dating in young age is wrong. Is wrong. If actually you are not dating, and if this girl was not dating, she would not put herself. Like, in, let me assume, just if it is legitimate rape, 100%, and if she gets pregnant, actually the church will look at this situation with compassion and understanding. And usually we say, this official stand of the church. If pregnancy will risk the life of the mother, abortion can be allowed. So then in a very serious legitimate rape case, if this pregnancy will risk the life of the mother, not only his, her physical life, her emotional life, her psychological life, her spiritual life, after we study the case, maybe the church will allow. But just I, I wanna I don't wanna give just يعني, an answer to be abused. But every case should be studied. But definitely the church cares about the physical, the psychological, the emotional, the spiritual uh, life of her children. Definitely. So your life will be regarded very very highly in the case of legitimate and serious rape. Have you ever questioned your faith? Not questioned my faith, meaning I doubted my faith. But actually, when I was in, in, your, uh, in your age and in the first years of college, I started to say, I want to understand why I believe in what I believe. 
And then I start studying. Why, why do we believe in sacraments? Why do we believe salvation by faith and works? Why do I believe in all these things? And this, after I studied all of this, this confirmed my faith more. Before I received my faith, now I, I studied my faith. And now this confirmed more. That's why I say to the people, I am Orthodox, not just because I was born from Orthodox family, but because I myself have studied and experienced, and now I know for sure that Orthodoxy is the only right way to glorify God and to worship Him. How to stop being over upset about losing a school best friend too much? And the first thought comes to my mind, why you lost this friend? Number two, uh, another thought came to mind if this was a dating relationship or just a friend. Number three, what's your definition of losing? If you now go into different schools or different colleges, that's how you define losing. What do you mean by losing? Did you get into fight? Like anyway, Apparently, the person here is wounded over this relationship. And for healing, you need actually to go to the true physician of our souls and bodies, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is a true healer. So, through prayer, you will be healed. Number two, if there was like a fight or conflict, try to to see if you can mend this relationship. If you did something wrong, go and apologize and try to reconcile with this person again if this is going to work. But not if, if it's a dating relationship. And if the other person refused completely to reconcile, then through prayer, and through having your comfort from the Holy Spirit and having a support system around you, this support system will help you to cope. So having godly friends around you, having a spiritual father, your parents, your siblings, this is your support system. So when you are wounded and going through a difficult time, you need to have a support system. This support system actually will help you to cope with this grief of loss. Ending a relationship is like grief over death. And the person goes through stages of grief, denial, angry, grieving, healing. How do you gain your motivation? Well, all is lost. For school in hard time. There are people whom we call self-motivators. They know how to motivate themselves. But not everyone is self-motivator. So if you are not a self-motivator, you need to find somebody, again, a support system to motivate you. So if you are not motivated by yourself, you need to find somebody to motivate you.
for example, if during the school time you you cannot study anymore, then find a friend to study with, so you can study together, so you can motivate and encourage each other. Why does it feel like everyone is against me at all times, like even those closest to me, like family and friends? Again, if everyone is against you, then it is perception, not reality. It is how you perceive the world around you. Because I doubt that any person in the whole world has everyone against him. Why? Why everyone would be against you? So, some people have negative interpretation. So, a person with negative interpretation, he will interpret that everyone is against him. Whether you do something good to him or something negative to him, everyone now perceives he's against you. That's why you need to correct your, your perception and to train yourself to think positively. Think positively and perceive positively. This actually will help you. How do we have free will if God has a plan for everything and essentially has planted out? God actually made the rules, but he does not control you and you have free will. Uh, for example, now if you want to to drink, you can drink. If you want to drink, you cannot drink. That's a free will. You cannot choose. So, uh, in reality, we have freedom. In reality, we have free will. God, yes, puts the general rules. Uh, and general rules are very important for the order of the world. If there is no rules for traffic, people actually will be in accident all the day. But within the rules of the traffic, you have freedom in driving your car, you choose where you're going to go. So God has rules for the world. But within the boundaries of the rules, you have freedom. If you go against the, the rules of the world, you will hurt yourself. But these rules for, for the world to run in order. Why do we fast? Fasting for our benefit. And the main thing of fasting is to develop self-control and to defeat Satan. God said about Satan, this kind cannot come out by anything except by prayer and fasting. Also, also fasting will help you to develop self-control. When I say no, to the food, I can say no to any other sin. As St. Paul said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest after I preach other others, I myself be disqualified. How do we know who to go to as our father of confession? St. John Climacus, in his book, The Ladder, he said, Search well for your spiritual father, lest you fall 
in a hand of a, of a patient, not of a physician. But once you found him, don't change him. And before you choosing a spiritual father, search well, pray, ask God to guide you. Can meet with the Buna one or two or three times. Can listen to his sermon. You can see his style. And after you feel comfortable and peaceful to choose this father to be your father of confession, Saint Jean, then Jean Climacus said, don't change him. Why? One of the uh, known attacks from Satan is to cast doubt in your heart regarding your father of confession. So you will be without guidance. You will be without fatherhood. And in my lecture this morning, I spoke to you about the importance of being disciples, disciple to your spiritual father. So search well, lest you fall into a hand of a patient, a sick person who cannot help you, rather than falling into the hand of a physician. But once you choose him, don't change him. How do you study the Bible with a limited amount of time? Even if you have 15 minutes or 20 minutes for the Bible, it doesn't matter how many chapters you finish. But really what it really matters, how deep you study and understand and live the Word of God. So, you start by reading the Bible with your eye. Then understanding it. And thank God if you don't understand, there are many, many commentaries now from early church fathers that are available on the internet for free and many applications Arabic and English one of the best uh, applications is called Katina C-A-T-E-N-A it's done by the Coptic Church I think in Canada Katina C-A-T-E-N-A it's, it's a good application because it has commentary from early church fathers in English. Uh, so read it, understand it. Then meditate on it. Meditate on it. Say what is the message that God is sending me today through this part. And to help you, I will ask you six questions. You can ask yourself six questions. And see if you have, you, can, you, you will find an answer at least to one of these six questions, maybe more. So the first question, is there any commandment to me, like forgive one another, there's a commandment. Is there any prohibition for me, God tell me don't do, thou shall not kill, that's prohibition, thou shall not commit adultery. Number three, is there any promise from God to me? I will be with you all the days of your life. Number four, is there any attribute or privileges being in Christ? You are 
a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. So this a privilege. It's who I am in Christ. The Holy Spirit testifies that we are the children of God. We are heirs with Christ. All these privileges. Number five. Is there any revelation about God in this chapter? Like when he says, I am the Lord. I am the good shepherd. I am your redeemer. And the last question, is there any character in this passage that I will benefit from? Like St. Mary, John the Baptist, or even bad characters, then you can learn from their mistakes. So, if you ask yourself these six questions, these six questions will help you to meditate and reflect on the passage. Any commandment, anything God told me, don't do it. Any promises, any privileges, any revelation about God's attribute, any character in this part that I can benefit from. Number one, read it with your eye. Number two, understand it with your mind. Number three, reflect and meditate on it through answering these six questions. Number four, keep it in your heart. You can memorize one verse every day. If you memorize one verse every day, by the end of the year, you memorize 360 verses. And number five, apply it in your life. Take that exercise from the part you read it, apply it in your life. What I said is a lot, but it will not take more than 20 minutes. If, if you have 20 minutes every day and you read, understand, reflect, memorize in your heart, apply in your life, then you will benefit from the scripture. How can we tell if our parents' worries for something particular is a sign from God? Uh, or the devil trying to interfere. And I think that is, you need to experience the power of prayer here. Pray and say, God, if this is your will, change the hearts of my parents. If this is not your will, then give me peace. God is not author of confusion. And when you submit completely to the will of God, God actually will do it for you. And Barthu, let me share with you a personal experience. When I decided to, to go to the monastery to become a monk, actually my parents were totally against it. And after I went and I stayed there for maybe one week, my parents came and took me back to the world. And, and return, I returned to them. And during this time, I didn't know what to do. I have the desire to become a monk, and my parents are against it completely. So actually, I kept praying what's written in the last psalm in the morning prayer. Cause me to know your will, for I have lifted my soul up to you. Cause me to know your will, for I have lifted up my soul to you. And I was praying this prayer, God, 
if it is your will for me to become a monk, change the heart of my parents. If it is your will for me not to be a monk, change my heart. And I was willing to accept either thing from the hand of God. What God actually would cite for me, I will accept it happily and joyfully. Because I know monasticism is not the goal, it's just a way. And after around five or six months, I found my parents from themselves, without arguing or discussing with them, they told me, if you want, if that's your desire, you can go and, and, and become a monk and, and we regret we took you back from the monastery. Uh, without discussing anything with him. But this actually, I'm sharing this story, it's the power of prayer. God told us, ask and you shall receive. So, if you don't know what is the will of God, ask and tell him, God, either to choose my parents' heart or to choose my heart, uh, sorry, to change my parents' heart or to change my heart. I want to do your will. How do I know if the monastic life is for me? And I think in your age as high schoolers, you need to focus more on your studies and on your relationship with God. As I told you, monasticism is not a goal. Monasticism is just a way. So focus on God. Focus on building a strong relationship with God. Then actually, when you have a strong relationship with God, you will know when it is the right time whether monasticism is for you or not. But in general, monasticism has three values. Obedience, poverty, and celibacy. So, if these three values are okay with you, to live in poverty, to live in complete obedience and self-denial, and in celibacy, then monasticism can be the way for you. Why cannot girls be deacons? Again, I asked the question before, do you believe in the authority of the scripture? If the answer is yes, God in his economy, he assigned deaconship and priesthood for males, not because they are better, it's different function. This question is like the ear asks why I cannot see because you are an ear or an eye asks why I cannot hear because you are an eye. So it's just different uh, rules in the church, simply different rules in the church. How did God begin? It is confusing to me because you cannot tell me he just proved out of nowhere. God has no beginning. He exists from eternity to eternity, from everlasting to everlasting. So what's confusing about this? Even if we assume there is another being created God or founded God, then I will ask you, who founded the other being? Another being. Who founded the other being? Another being. Until you reach to a being, must exist all the time. This being is God. Even the evolutionists, they cannot explain the beginning of life. 
and we cannot explain the source of life because the beginning of life and the source of life is God. Why does the church say people will go to hell if they commit suicide? What I don't understand is that you will say that, but the person felt so alone and felt like they had no other choice. So why would they go to hell? Nobody said they will go to hell. But what the Bible tells us, if a person died in his sin, don't pray for him. Don't pray for him. You can read it in 1 John chapter 5. We pray only for people who repent. So if a person committed suicide and he lived three days conscious and then he died, we'll pray for him. Because we'll give him the benefit of the doubt that during these three days he repented. But suicide is a sin of murder. And the person doesn't have opportunity to repent because he killed himself. So there is no opportunity to repent. In the Gospel of St. Luke chapter 13, verses 3 and verse 5, the Lord Jesus said, unless you repent, you will perish. So repentance is a condition for salvation. And also St. Paul said, no murderer will go to kingdom of heaven. So I was suicidal. A person commits suicide, he's a murderer. He actually killed himself. But there is suicide because of mental illness. Since a person is mentally ill or he is not in the right state of mind, he cannot make proper decisions, then the church may pray for such a person uh, even if he commits suicide. But people who are with sound mind and with sound judgment and can make sound decisions, if they commit suicide, the church does not pray for them and their case is before the just judge. He will judge them according to his mercy and according to his justice. Why is pornography and masturbation wrong? The Lord said, if you lust, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you committed adultery in your heart. So pornography is a sin of adultery because you, you look at all these bad movies or pictures and lust after them. So it's a sin of adultery. Masturbation is a sin of selfishness. Because God gave us the sexual desire to give ourselves to the other. But masturbation is addictive and it focuses on the person's pleasure. So it's selfishness and also a sin of addiction. And usually with masturbation there is imaginations. And imagination are lustful thoughts. And again, the Lord said, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you committed adultery in your heart. What is our view on birth control? Birth control can be used by a married wife if 
the birth control work by preventing the fertilization, not by destroying the fertilized ovum. Again, there are two ways for birth control to work. Either to prevent fertilization or to destroy the fertilized ovum. Destroying fertilized ovum is considered abortion. But preventing fertilization of the ova, it is not abortion because it prevented fertilization. So this type is allowed that prevent fertilization, allowed only for married women. But medically, medically they say most of the birth control work by both ways simultaneously. So at the end, you don't know whether it's going to work by destroying the fertilized ova or by preventing the fertilization. Why do we say we believe in one holy Catholic church, although we are orthodox? The word Catholic here doesn't mean the Roman Catholic church headed by the Pope of Rome. But the word Catholic literally means universal. As we say, the Catholic letter. Catholic letter means what? Means it is written for everyone. Not like St. Paul when he sent his letter to Romans or to Corinthians. It is sent for everyone. So the word Catholic means for everyone. Because the church includes everyone from every tongue, every tribe, every nation. That's why we call the church Catholic Church, not the denomination of Catholicism. Clear? If there is a sin, I cannot say it to my father of confession at all. And it follows my mind and I cannot. What should I do? You know, this embarrassment is beneficial because this will prevent you from doing it again. And your father of confession is expecting, and each age group, we expect certain sins from this age group. And your father of confession is not sinless. He's also a fallible person like you. And maybe when he was in your age, he was actually falling in the same sin. So he will not condemn you or judge you. Actually, he will, يعني, with compassion, help you and pray for you. At the end, if you feel you are too embarrassed to mention it, you can write it down in a paper and give it to him the paper. He can read it. Uh, so this actually will help you to overcome the embarrassment. How to understand our parents and have a clear and a good conversation? Actually, this is a very good question. And I think you need to understand your parents and yourself. Because this understanding will help you to have clear and good conversations. In your age, since you start the teen, and you are 11, 12, then you want to say, I am not a shadow of my parent. That's the attitude of this age. 
I am not, I am differentiated from them. I am different person than them. So, how you send this message? Mainly by rebelling. Just the message here, I am not your shadow. I am not gonna obey whatever you are gonna tell me. That's why you start rebelling. Once you start rebelling, the parents become overprotective. This little compliant girl that she was saying yes and no, and now she actually saying no, stand against us, even standing against us in what is uh, beneficial for her. So what will happen? The more we rebel, the more our parents become overprotective. Then actually the fight starts to escalate. But in a respectful way, if I listen to them, and now yes, I'm not their shadow, but can I express this in a respectful way that does not trigger your their يعني, overprotection? And parents should understand now you are growing and you, you need to be an adult and you need to be mature and to be independent of your parent. They should actually promote this and help you to make your own decisions and make your own choices. So if both of you understand the needs of this age and your development, psychological development, uh, as a teenager, so parents understand what you are going through and you understand what your parents are going through, then you can have direct and clear conversation. Also, I have a whole lecture about adolescence. I'm speaking in this lecture about the changes that happen to the parents and changes happen to the children when in, in this age of adolescence. Also, you can find it in SoundCloud. It's a beautiful lecture. I like you to listen to it. It's called Adolescence. How to stop forcing yourself on the Bible and prayer and start to do them because I want to. And I'm happy that you are forcing yourself, but I agree you should not force yourself all the days of your life. But if you focus on the quality, if you focus on the quality, then actually you will end up enjoying praying and reading the, the scripture. But if you focus only on just finishing the chapter or finishing the Agbeya, regardless, so at the end you feel you are doing something not beneficial. Why should I keep doing it? So focus on the quality then you will enjoy the Bible, you will enjoy the prayer. Once you enjoy them, then you will be, you want to do it. Why did Christ have to come down and physically be crucified and rise from the dead for our sins to be forgiven? The purpose of incarnation is not only to forgive our sins, but there are actually many reasons for the incarnation and let me share with you the reasons for incarnation number one god took a physical body so 
he came to sanctify the material because the material were cursed after the fall of Adam and Eve. So, for example, food. Actually, in order for this food to be holy, I need to pray over it. And since Christ came and prayed over food and used the food and used the material, then now it's possible for the material to be holy and to be sanctified. As St. Paul said to Timothy, everything will be sanctified by prayer and by the word of God. Number two, he came to heal our human nature. Our human nature was corrupted and needs healing. So when God took our humanity, he healed our human nature. So incarnation was the only choice to heal our nature. Number three, he defeated sin in his body. He was tempted and was able to defeat sin. When we are united with him, then in him we can defeat sin. And it is impossible to be united with him if he did not become a human being. But since he became a human being, it is now easy for us to be united with him. That's why he gave us his body and his blood in order to be united with him. Also, he abolished the death by his death. He accepted death unto himself by his own will and authority. Why he did this? To defeat death by his resurrection. And now, in Christ, I can defeat death and I can rise from the dead. Actually, also, he defeated the temptation. He was tempted over the mountain. And he did this for my sake. So when I am tempted, I can defeat temptation. He defeated Satan, and I can actually defeat Satan and overcome Satan if I'm united with him. He fulfilled all the law on my behalf. So when I am united in him, I will be considered as if it is me who fulfilled the law completely and perfectly. For example, if there is a very rich man married a very, very poor woman, then after the marriage, this very poor woman, can we consider her rich or not? She will be rich. In the same way, Christ is the only perfect and righteous person. When I am united with him, then in him I will be considered perfect and holy and righteous. Also, he ascended to heaven with our human nature. If you read the fraction of Bright Saturday after Abu Ghanib sees, the fraction that we pray in the Divine Liturgy, we say he entered into the heavenly places, the place into which no human nature can enter. So the rule is no human nature can enter into the heavenly places. But Christ, when he took our human nature, can he enter into heavenly places? Definitely he can, because he is God. Then if I am in him, I can enter into the heavenly places. That's why St. Paul said, 
if we are the children of God, then we are heirs of the kingdom with Christ, in Christ. And also, by paying the penalty of death, instead of us, we are forgiven. He carried our sins in his body, and he paid the penalty of death as a ransom on our behalf, so we are forgiven. So, the purpose of incarnation is not only forgiveness. I mentioned so many reasons why Christ became a man. How does God help with anxiety? Actually, there is a very good verse in the scripture about anxiety. And I want you to remember it and to memorize it. It's very easy. It is Philippians, Philippians, Four, verse six and seven. Philippians four, verse six and seven. It says, "Be anxious over nothing, and don't worry about anything." But what about the list I'm anxious about? Saint Paul says, "Be anxious over nothing, but in everything, through your prayer, supplications, and thanksgiving, let." your requests be made known to God. So instead of getting anxious, let your requests be made known to God. Then what would be the outcome? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That's the prescription for anxiety. Be anxious over nothing, but in everything you are anxious about, through prayer, supplications, and thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Are all monks considered priests as well? No. There are monk deacons, and among the priests. So monks can be deacons, just deacon, or priests. I have a question. So about the, um, inc- like the not being anxious about anything, like change my faith, change my conduct, change my behavior. 
Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.